0: Welcome to Love Your Reports. I'm Paul Felix, your host, and this is episode number seven. So first of all, this is the first episode of 2022. So I want to wish all of you a a wonderful new year. I hope you had a great 2021, and I wish you even better in 2022. Today, I want to take a a minute and talk about a couple of clients that I think have stories worth sharing, some success stories. Uh, These are a couple of, of clients that I think have um, you know, accomplished some, some really important and impactful things in the prior year. And I'm sharing this because I, I hope it's inspiring. I hope that those of you out there that, um, that listen to this actually um, can um, you know, get inspired from these stories of people who have kind of overcome these, these challenging scenarios and, and help their organization meet their goals, help their organization be successful. So let's jump right in. Um, actually before I get started, I want to mention here, I'm, I'm, I'm in Austin, Texas, and we have had kind of an unusually cold snap here. It's in the, in the low twenties right now. I know it's for some parts of the country, that's not super cold, but for here, it's a pretty unusual event. So, um, I do have a heater running in the background. Hopefully that's not coming through on the audio. And, uh, to compound that we've got just a, a crazy high pollen, um, count right now and, and my, uh, my allergies are kind of going crazy. So if I sound a little weird, that's, that's probably why. Okay, so the first company I want to talk about is a durable medical equipment company, DME. And what this company does is they supply hospitals and uh, even individual doctor's offices with the equipment that they need. And, and they do so by actually taking inventory uh, items that, that this company purchases and putting them at the facility, you know, inside of some storage closet of some kind, they're going to put this equipment in the facility's um, closet so that when, you know, a patient comes in and they need a knee brace or they need a wheelchair or anything else that um, is available, they they can go in, the doctor or the nurse can go into this closet and um, get the equipment that's needed. And that the patient doesn't have to wait around, and the, the doctor doesn't have to take on the cost of actually paying for the equipment up front. So, th- to start off with, I'll just say that in 2020, uh, 2020, this company ran a loss of around $3 million, annual loss of bottom line $3 million. And in 2021, they were actually able to turn that around to a small gain. So, they had a, a small gain. In 2021, which is, you know, pretty incredible, I think you know, they they really have focused on improving the processes that are needed to actually run this company at a profit. And that that's really exactly what they did. You know, they they looked at all of the main contributors to, to losses, all the things that weren't going right, and figured out. You know, what do we need to do? What do we think we need to do in order to improve this process? So I'm going to talk about a couple of them that, that um, we at LeapFall BI were involved with. And I'm sure there's more. But these are going to be a couple of the contributors to, to that turnaround. So first of all, inventory. You know, as I mentioned, this company is taking um, assets that they've purchased and putting them in basically mini warehouses. Many um, as in small warehouses. And many of them, large quantity of them, um, so you know the the inventory challenge and challenge here is real. It's it's one thing to deal with inventory if on the traditional basis where you're you know, you're buying product, putting in your inventory, and then maybe moving it to your stores um, or individual store. But when you're moving that inventory to a third party's location, there's some other complications here, uh, and to make that even more complicated. We're talking about, um, healthcare, you know, payers here. So there's, there's some very, um, real requirements or constraints that need to be, uh, followed. So for inventory, the, 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 um, the issue was shrink, you know, how do we prevent shrink in this scenario? And the first thing that this company did was they looked at, uh, trying to just simply quantify shrink, you know, To understand shrink in this case, you have to, just like in all cases, you have to have a manual count at one point in time, and then in the future you do another manual count. And then you look at, okay, well, here was my manual count at point A, and then here's my manual count at point B. Here's the difference. Well, and and then you can take that and you can say, Well, how much did you sell? How much was returned? And all of those numbers would work out to say, well, this is what your end count should have been. This is what my end count was. And here's the difference. Now I've got X amount of shrink as an example. Well, it even gets more complicated here because you have in-process orders as well. You know, Some of these um, uh, orders obviously are going to take months in some cases to, to collect on, but it also takes time to just get the paperwork from the facility into the, um, the whole revenue cycle management process, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So, that, that delay means you've got to act, you've got to also uh, be very careful about accounting for those purchases, or uh, I guess you can just call it a purchase a purchase of a, a product that um, maybe paperwork hasn't been received on yet but yet it's still not in the the facility where you're doing the manual counts. So uh, I know that's kind of a long story, but the point is that the inventory situation is complicated. And really looking at that in a very uh, detailed way and figuring out, you know, how do we get a true count? That's step one. Sounds simple. It's not simple. How do you get a count? And then... How do you do that on a recurring basis so that you can actually calculate a uh, shrink? And then once you know, you know what the shrink was, what items, what's the value of those items? You know, what's the cost of those items to the company? What's the value of those items um, on a, um, uh, a retail basis? Once you have all that information, then you can, now you can say, okay, great. Now I know where my uh, largest shrink is occurring. You know, is all of this shrink associated with uh, certain regions? Is it associated with certain sales reps? You know, what's going on here? And then if you really can um, or when this company was able to actually uh, depend on that data, then you can start doing chargebacks. You know, the, it, the bottom line is if the product is not in inventory and there is no paperwork to account for the product, then the product has disappeared. That's, that is shrink, and there are you know there's already contracts in place to uh, do chargebacks on those scenarios. so someone else is going to have to pay for that lost product. And a lot of this is not malicious type loss. you know It's not like you're in a, um, you know a brick and mortar store and, and stuff is walking out the door. It's more likely in this case that you have you know really a training issue. You have people that maybe think that that product belongs to the facility that they're working in because it's actually in a storage facility storage closet in the facility so just making sure people know that hey you can't take stuff out of this closet without filling out this form um, accurately and completely you know that's that's pretty simple stuff but that's that's really um, an important piece the other part of this is um, you know on this DME side of things they put processes in place that said you know we are not going to put product in a in a closet uh, unless we have paper. So it's paper for product basically is what they call it. If you have paper for a prior sale, well then you can put product back into inventory to bring it back up to the par level, but you can't put product into a closet without corresponding paper from a previous sale. You know, uh, some very common sense processes that have been put in place have taken a uh, a shrink situation that was you know not real good frankly and turned it into something that's it's much much better it's not perfect yet but it's much better than it was just a year ago now another part of this that this DME company really focused on was their all their RCM and um I guess you can call it their work in process you know a a big part of the cost here of this um, DME company is simply the rcm you know filing all of the paperwork that's in, involved with getting paid for these sales of products typically that's going to be through insurance companies or, or government payers so so there's contracts in place that have very strict rules about how you file these claims you know how long do you have to file these claims and how do you deal with audit requests and there's all sorts of things involved with rcm and getting a handle on that was really really important. Now one of the things I want to bring up here that that I think a lot of you may already be familiar with is that a lot of the business applications that we use to run, you know, run our businesses are really just paper replacements. You know, they're just they're just applications that allow you to enter information into forms, compile that information into a database, recall it, update it, yeah, maybe create a couple of reports on it. This is the kind of applications that we typically see. And that's great. You know, especially in the, in the 90s, it was really important to get away from paper-based uh, health records. Um, but now a lot of organizations have done that. They, they do have uh, pretty good systems to track the actual information. But these business applications are really not designed to help the, an organization like this DME company do all of the things that they need to do to be successful. And one of the areas that, that a lot of these EHR systems fail in, or not fail, thats probably not the right word, but they're not focused on solving this problem, is the RCM side of things, revenue cycle management. You're making sure that you're providing some type of a guided process to help the actual workers that are processing claims, make sure that they know you know, here's the things that need to happen uh, and here's when they need to happen. And here's something that has failed to happen. You basic, ex, you know, guiding the processes would, the way I would say that um, the way I would describe this instead of just being a repository for information, help the organization guide the process that um, is needed to be successful in this case, RCM. Now, in lieu of the, the business application doing these things, one of the decisions that this company made was to, to build that themselves, basically. They decided that, you know, look, this or, this application isn't going to do A, B, and C, but we really need to know whenever we have claims that are at risk of not getting paid for all of these reasons. And when that is the case, you know, when these certain scenarios are met, we need to understand um, or we need to be flagged. Basically, we need an alert to, um, help us know that that's the situation. Otherwise, someone's going to have to call through all of these claims, you know, manually in this system and, and try to find that it's just not going to happen. Ultimately, you're just not going to get paid on these claims because some term has not been met. So that's another piece of the, uh, I guess the turnaround that this company has seen is focusing on the RCM, Revenue cycle management and the work in process, really focusing on creating alerts, creating indicators for these really important milestones that um, someone can actually take action on and, and impact the bottom line. So this this company, I thought, did really good. I, I hope um, to see that they, you know, while they do have a small profit in 2021, the, the, the year over year change has been drastic. I think 2022 for this company is just going to be even better. Now, the next company I want to talk about is a retail organization, actually an e-commerce organization, and they had a, a pretty common uh, problem that needed to be solved as well. And that is understanding the outcomes of your marketing efforts. You know, uh, for retail, well, a lot of industries, I guess, but especially for retail, marketing can be One of the largest costs that the organization has, because, you know, obviously you've got to get out there somehow and get a message in front of people. This is this is B2C, business to consumer here. You've got to get a message out to people that hopefully is attractive enough that they're going to respond to that message and hopefully make a purchase. And when they do make that purchase, you need to you as the organization need to understand, you know, what was successful. What was unsuccessful? Getting this company, getting their arms around that part of the equation was really, really important. How do you know if your marketing efforts are being successful? And then if the marketing effort was successful, well, how successful? How do you quantify that success in such a way that you know, well, this is the type of marketing that I want to do right now. And this is shifting all the time, right? It's not like one message works forever when it comes to marketing. So understanding what's working, uh, how well it's working, and what should we incentivize around that marketing outcome. So this company had a couple of, of challenges here. One side is a pretty typical one, and that is master data um, around their actual customer list, uh, customers and, and, I guess, uh, prospects. It's, it's very easy to end up with a database that has many versions of the same customer whenever you're talking about e-commerce because how do you uniquely identify a customer Uh, it's not going to be by their name you've got people with the same name Uh, it's not going to be by their email address because people use multiple email addresses Uh, it can't be just the physical address because people move from point a to point b so there's a lot of a very uh, real challenges there and ultimately, you have to make some decisions about how you're going to uniquely identify a person. So that was the first real, um, I think, um, success that this company had was they sat down. They looked at the situation in detail. You know, they understand they've got multiple systems involved. They understand that they have um, some process challenges that are actually compounding this duplicate person uh, um issue uh, and then they said okay look here's what we're going to do for clarity here's what we're going to call a unique person once they had that business clarity uh, we were able to go in and take that information and or that uh, that business definition and implement it so that we now could say well here is the group or the set of people or let's just call it email addresses what have you that we consider to be a single person from the from the perspective of the organization now once you have that in place now you can start to look at uh you know again back to the marketing outcomes you can look at how many actual people responded to a marketing event and this this gets into the weeds here where you have campaigns you've got to track them through uh, various methods whether it's uh, URL tracking or what have you but ultimately you're trying to figure out if someone clicked on an email campaign if someone entered a promotion code from a a direct mail there's various different channels here but ultimately you're trying to figure out how many people responded to this marketing message and if they responded well which channel did they respond to having clarity around a unique person count you know master data basically, around customer count is a big part of that, and then tying all of those pieces together you know, how, uh, so that you know what the campaign identifier is, uh, what the channel was, um, how do you know if someone responded to that particular campaign, getting clarity around that was also a really big step forward for this organization. And then a third piece to this was once you know once you know who responded to a campaign then you could you could measure pretty clearly what they purchased that's typically a pretty straightforward process but it's understanding the lifetime value of that person or a typical person is a much more complicated thing we're talking about recurring subscriptions here uh, where someone could you know, decide to, um, to cancel, let's say, m- mid-period, or they may, they may renew, or there may be an auto-renewal process. So understanding what the lifetime value of a person is is also important because you know what you spent on the campaign, you know what the outcome of the campaign was uh, as far as how much that person actually purchased, but what's the actual value of that person over their lifetime in a, in a typical scenario? Once you know that that lifetime value of the person, now you can say, okay, you know, was it worth? Did this cam- was this campaign successful? Did this campaign result in more revenue than it cost to run the campaign? It's not quite that simple, but uh, I think you get the point. You have the pieces in place to better understand if your marketing dollars are going in a direction that actually makes sense. Now, the other thing about this scenario was. For a while, this um, this company was relying on um, others, let's just say, to come up with the outcomes of the marketing effort, and you know that had some success. But in the end, um, the the organization felt like it was really, really critical. Which I agree, that it's critical that they understand with with clarity what they're spending their marketing dollars on and what the outcome was, and measure that in a very consistent way. You know, none of these business rules are perfect. Like I was talking about uh, customer um, deduplication, for example. It's not perfect. It's not going to be perfect. It doesn't make sense to hire the resources required to make it perfect, and I don't know if it's even possible to make it perfect. It would require too much manual effort, and there likely would still be some errors made. And perfect is not required here. What's required is to get to a, you know, a reasonable level of accuracy, a 95% level of accuracy. That's doable. It's doable in a, um, you know, um, an automated um, programmatic manner. Anyway, the, the the point being that these processes aren't perfect, but that's okay. At least we have a consistent process. If we measure things consistently. We use the same business rules consistently to measure You know what decisions were made, and what were the outcomes of the actions that followed those decisions. Now we have something that we can we can stand on. We can say here's what's working, and guess what? Here's what's not working. Just as importantly, let's not do that anymore. Instead, let's focus on these channels that are working. So these couple of companies, again, I just felt like did exceptionally well in 2021 with um, with their overall reportopia. They were really able. To step back and say look we've got to solve this problem we've got to look at these business processes figure out what's working figure out what's not working and then take those things that are not working and and fix them figure out how to make them better and a big part of that was simply having the the information needed to gain those insights and really um, you know make a good decision about what to do about that situation and then measure the outcome of that decision. If it worked out, great. If it didn't, well, that's okay too, because now we've learned something new. We can try another, um, uh, approach to this problem. Okay. So that's just a couple of our clients that, um, that I've seen really do good things, great things in 2021. I'm sure they're going to continue to do even, even better in 2022. And this is just a small sample of, of, um, success stories that we see but it is important that we take a second and and just realize how important creating this reportopia that i'm always talking about really is if we do take the time and we focus on improving these processes we focus on um, getting people the information they need to actually make good decisions or decisions that have good outcomes we're going to see results. It takes time. It's hard work, but we will see results. We've seen it happen many times um, before. and It'll continue to happen in 2022. So I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I wish you all a wonderful 2022. If you want to reach out to me, my address is paul at If Twitter's your thing, you can find me at Paul B. Felix. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again each and every Tuesday.